Acts chapter 27. If you get a chance uh, this week, uh, you could make time to read the whole chapter. It's a wonderful chapter. We were going to read it together, but we don't have time. Uh, so I'm going to start with verse 9, and if you're here Wednesday night, uh, we touched on this a little bit Wednesday. I was listening to a message by Kenneth Hagin. He was talking about something else, and when he read this verse, I mean, it just, just hit me. Verse 9 says, uh, this is, of course, Paul uh, as a prisoner going from Caesarea over to Rome, his journey. And um, you know, you could put up the first image maybe. So you can see his journey from Caesarea to Fair Havens, if you have it there. Um, uh, talking for just a second about the importance of following, following the Lord. Now, uh, it may be a little difficult to see, but maybe you can see it over there, over here. I just took screenshots and handed them to him. But, uh, you know, over here, outside Israel, Caesarea, he took this journey here, it's in orange, goes up to Myra, and then ends up in Crete. And so uh, on the journey, and they get over uh, into Crete, and um, this is where we're going to pick up in verse 9. Verse 9, it says, Now when much time was spent, we could close right there. <laughs> Now, when much time was spent, I feel like you could almost put that in parenthesis, open, close parenthesis, open, close parenthesis, before and after that. And in, inside of those parentheses, before and after that, you could put the word danger. Now, when much time was spent, when much time was spent, you don't have to look at anybody or raise your hand or shout or anything, but you ever missed it following the Lord after much time had been spent? You ever missed it following the Lord? A lot of times what goes along with a lot of time is a lot of money. The Bible teaches to count the cost, you know. That's not just money cost, but that's also time cost. I mean, if, I, if, I, if there's something that I've said a lot of time in my life after I experienced something, well, that took longer than I thought. <laughs> well, that cost more than what I thought. Now, after much, where is that? After much time was spent, caution, danger, pay attention, right? After much time has been spent, you know how much you know how much time we spent on this? You know how much money we spent on this? You know, we started planning for this so long ago. I mean, you could, you could take the whole scope of your life. You didn't plan your whole life to serve the Lord. Well, most people didn't. But Jesus saw you and loved you and came and I don't care if you're 85 years old. 
But you come to him, you get a brand new life at 85. You, uh, I wasted my life. What am I going to do? That's not a spirit of faith. And when you're born again, you get a spirit of faith. So stop tapping into mental, natural reasoning, natural thinking, and say, like, you know what? Look at Joshua and Caleb in their 80s. Look at Daniel in his 80s. Praise the Lord. No, a spirit of faith says, Oh, all that time living for the devil. And the Lord loved me. And the Lord changed me. Hallelujah. Now, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast uh, was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said to them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only to the lading in the ship, but also of our lives. He said, sirs, I perceive. He didn't say, he didn't say the Lord spoke to me. He said, I perceive. It's a perception, like an impression. Like if I had like a, uh, oh, like a, I have a, I ran a marathon. I might run another one this year, but I ran a marathon and I got like a, a gold badge, not because I won, just because you participated. <laughs> it's that big a deal just to walk across the finish line. And so, um, uh, but it, it has some image. I don't even know what it is. But if I took that and I could press it into my skin, it would leave an impression for a second and then it begin to fade away. Well, you can think of like, uh, that's kind of like a perception from the Lord, especially right when you have that, you, you, or when you go to that place where you're, you're not um, busy in your mind, but you kind of like, you're at peace and you're looking to the Lord. And in that place, uh, it's more clear. It's, it's, a, it's a, a more vivid impression, you could call it. But Paul didn't say, I know. Paul said, I perceive. He said, I perceive. And this is many times the way the Lord leads. It's an inward witness. Um, I perceive this voyage will be with, much, with uh, hurt and much damage, not only to lading the ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion, who was the officer who was in charge of him and all of the you know, it was an officer in charge of other military people that were guarding all the prisoners, including Paul. Uh, nevertheless, the centurion believes the master and the owner of the ship more than the things which were spoken by Paul. Why would that be? Well, Paul was not a professional sailor. These guys are professional sailors. What does Paul know? And because the haven was not uh, commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart. In other words, most of the people are like, we need to go. This is not a good place to be in the winter. Uh, then also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenice and winter there, which is a haven of Crete and lays uh, toward the southwest and northwest. And so they basically set out, verse 13, and when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing from there, they sailed close by Crete. All right, now go to number two. Okay, so this is how their long journeys uh, ended up being. Um, uh, they ended up way over here in Malta after they crossed the Adriatic Sea. But now do the next one. I think it's number three. Okay, so the green line here along the coast is where they intended to go. 
Because it wasn't good to winter here because the storms are going to you know, beat them up here at Fairhavens where they're there. So they said, well, let's just go and let's just go along the shore because it's going to be much better. Because, you know, in November, I don't know if you know this, but I'm, I'm working on some, some uh, different series. In fact, the series I think we're kicking off next week, I'm going to do a shoot for it uh, probably in uh, July and also in November. But, uh, I mean, the Great Lakes have, has, has like uh, taken more ships than you can imagine. And in 1905, I think there were like 13 or 15 ships that went down in the same storm, like ocean-going ships in November. Why? Because uh, that time of year, and I was stationed actually uh, about uh, 20 minutes from where Paul landed in Italy on his way to Rome on this journey. And I was there in November. And storms came up in November. And so it's not the best time to sail, especially this time they just have the sails. They didn't, I don't know if you realize this, but they didn't have engines. <laughs> so Paul says they're here on Crete, and I wish I had a, a thing, but that's okay. You can just pretend my arm is long. So, so they're over here, and Paul says, sirs, I perceive this voyage is going to be with much damage. And so the ship's captain, and then everybody else says, well, this is not a good place to be in the winter. We'll be fine to go. And then what happened? They had a, a, just a soft southerly wind. So all the circumstances are going against the impression or the perceiving, thank you, that Paul had in his spirit. And the whole crowd is saying, we should go. Look, this is our window of opportunity. We should go. But I don't have the Bible in front of me. But they start going with a, just a little southern wind. And then suddenly the wind picks up and forces them to almost hit this island here, which it's got a name in there. I don't remember what it is. And then so they go across that. They come, Claudia. They end up. What happens? They end up. I feel like that would be good to spank somebody with. Um, <laughs> flexible. Okay. My grandmother used to spank me with a, you know, the, the worst part was your grandmother spanking you to begin with is horrible. <laughs> They're supposed to give you candy and cookies and love on you. So all you guys that want this candy from Sandy, here, you can hold this. <laughs> but my grandmother said, I don't even remember what I did. But she said, you go out to that willow tree and you get a switch off of it and you bring it to me. Oh, boy. So the whole way out to that tree, I'm going to get this. You know, if you don't know what a willow, they're very flexible. And so I went and got it. And I don't remember if she just did it like that or if she took it and made it like a hoop and then paddled me. But uh, I didn't do that again. That's just extra. <laughs> um, and when the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their purpose, loosing from there, they sailed by Crete. But not long after, there arose, um, and, and literally in the margin of my Bible, it says it, it said beat. So not just an arose a wind, but it beat on the ship against them, a tempestuous wind called whatever that name was. And when the ship was caught 
and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive and running under a certain island, which is called, oh, Claudia. I should have known that's what the island was called. Claudia, we had much work to come by the boat. Claudia just stood there and watched them saying like, why are you missing the Lord? If you... She's like, I'm like Paul, if you'd listen to me. You know, that's what Paul said. And when they had taken up, uh, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, struck sail, and were driven. That may be a little confusing. What it means is they didn't want to hit the sandbar. Okay? And uh, being exceedingly tossed in tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day they cast out uh, with their own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither the sun or stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay upon us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. But after long... After long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them. What do you think he was doing? And said, sirs, this is one of my favorite scriptures, you should have listened to me <laughs> and not loose from Crete to have gained this harm and loss. And, you know, they talk different back then. He's like, like, you wouldn't say I gained harm nowadays. You'd be like, man, I was harmed. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there will be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. You ever go by what the experts say and the crowd says? You suffer loss, but praise the Lord, you're here. Amen. Amen. Uh, severe storms have a way of... Uh, Refining out your values or filtering out what you value. Whether natural, severe storms, or other type of storms. For there stood by me this night, fear not, for there stood by me this night the angel of God. I believe that was actually Christ. Whose I am and whom I serve, saying, fear not, Paul, for you must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God has given you all them that are with you. Wherefore, sirs, now he's speaking to them still. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. And they're all like, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die. He's like, cheer up, cheer up, because I believe God. One man believing God can change a whole crew of people, a whole ship full of people, just if one person will believe God. Cheer up. I believe God. It will be just the way the angel told me. Everything he says is going to come to pass. However, we must be cast upon a certain island. What? Where do you think he learned that? I suppose he had this time of much abstinence. In other words, he was away from them for a while. In the middle of the storm. And he's like, I had this perception that this was going to happen, and this is exactly what's happening. I believe he was seeking the Lord. He was praying. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, everything's going to be lost, but every life will be saved. But said a lot more than that, apparently. Because Paul now comes out of that place and says, we're going to be thrown upon an island. We're going to crash. We're going to crash into an island. 
But when the fourteenth night was come, <clears throat> as we were driven up and down the Adriatic Sea, they call it the Adria, but uh, about midnight the shipmen deemed that uh, they drew near to some country and sounded and found uh, 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it 15 fathoms. And fearing lest they should fall upon the rocks. In other words, they're just using sound to figure out their distance from the land. And so they're like, oh, we're getting closer and closer. And so they feared that they would hit rocks. Uh, so they uh, cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea under the color, as though they were, uh, would cast out anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except you uh, remain in the ship, you cannot be saved. So the Lord told Paul, you're going to crash upon a certain island and everyone must remain in the ship or they will die. So you know in the midst of any storm, we can turn to the Lord and he will give you specific direction in your situation to preserve your life. And Paul, the, the angel said, I've not only, God's not only given you your life, but the lives of all those with you. And then what happened is the other soldiers, not the centurion, but the soldier serving under him said, let's kill the prisoners because they're going to escape. But the centurion liked Paul and said, no, we're not going to do that. Let's have them jump out first and swim to the water, swim to the shore. And if they can't swim, they should get a piece of uh, the ship and float into the shore. And so every single one of them made it into the shore. Because even in the midst of... Paul was not with his own company. You realize he's with different people. He was a prisoner. He didn't really have a choice. So you get in some companies and your ship's going to break apart. And all the stuff you have, you might lose. But the Lord will preserve your life. The Lord will protect you. I mean, look at that. He is a prisoner. And without the intervention of God, he'd be dead in the bottom of the sea. After much time had been spent... After much time had been spent, here's the awesome part. If you're born again, if you've received Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, you know the leading of the Lord already. That's how you came. He moved on the inside of you, revealed your need of a Savior. Revealed the love of God. And you responded. So not only did you hear, but you responded. So you are experienced. You're an experienced follower of the direction that God gives. And the result of your following was blessings untold of salvation. Uh, stand with me if you would. Let's, let's all close our... Let's see, close our eyes, bow our heads, something like that. Just don't look around. If uh, you've never been born again, I want to give you the opportunity right now.
God loves you. He has a plan for your life. Um, before you're born again, it's really difficult to try to comprehend and understand everything that the Lord says in His Word and what He's doing because you don't have His Spirit on the inside speaking to your own spirit. When you get born again, Paul says that His Spirit speaks to our spirit. And the first thing he tells you is that, hey, you've been born again. You're, you're part of uh, God's family. When you come to the Lord, you turn your life over to Him. Your past sins, your past stops being spiritually. In Christ, you're a new creature. Sure, I mean, somebody could show you a, a photo or an image of something you did in the past. The devil himself could try to bring uh, memories or bring memories back of things that you did. But that's not you anymore. It, anyone that makes Jesus Lord becomes a brand new person. You get a new spirit on the inside. Old things are passed away. Everything's new. So you want a fresh start in life? You want to stop doing everything that you know to do or that you just feel like doing? Feels really good while you're doing it. But the end of it is destruction, despair, grief, depression. Jesus is the way of deliverance. Jesus really lived and he really loved and he still lives today and he still loves today. I want to invite you with everybody's eyes closed. I want to invite you if you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord. He loves you. He knows everything about you and he still loves you. I want to invite you to Make him the Lord of your life. I'm not going to have you come up front, but we're going to pray a prayer together. Everybody's going to pray it. But if you'd like to receive Jesus as Lord, I'd like you to just raise your hand with everybody's eyes closed, just confessing Jesus as Lord. And I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you. It's an opportunity as you have opportunity. Take advantage of the opportunities. We're going to pray a prayer together. We're just going to confess the lordship of Jesus over our life, turn our lives over to the Lord. If you're already born again, it's just it's the greatest confession you should ever make, no matter what's happening in your life. If you're praying it for the first time, boy, get ready. Because the peace of God, like you didn't even know existed, will come on the inside of you. The nature of God, the life of God, your whole perspective changes. Like you can really see when you never could. You thought you were seeing pretty clearly. If you ever had bad vision and then got glasses, you're like, well, I didn't know there was all that. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross to take away my sins and to make me right with you. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord my Savior. I'm not going to live for myself any longer. My life is yours. I'm living for you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. And Father God, thank you that I am now your child. I'm a part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen.